Morning Church family. Um, so yeah, my name's Amy, one of the pastors here, and it's just precious to be here. I haven't preached for a while because the main place I've used my voice is been in this last favorite season of mine, Up the Hill with Lilia Haven, and that's just been a precious 15 months. Um, today I'm going to speak about the fear of the Lord. And um, it's been a stirring that the Lord's been doing in our prayer room here. Um, a little bit of that came up at Mizpah last night as well, which was just powerful and precious. And the Lord's got some things to share today. I've got a general outline, um, but as I've shared with Malachi and the team, if I just dive with Jesus and deviate, we're just going to go with him today. Um, well, I'm going to start with um, a story about my sin. You ready? not good. <laughs> so um, in my 20s, I had a long-term battle with feeling connected to men that I weren't, was not married to. So men married to other people, married men. It started in my teenage years when I allowed myself to admire a particular gentleman too much who was married and older. And we loved them and they were in our church and we just loved this couple. But I allowed and I un, had an unchecked um, admiration for, for the husband and I left it unchecked. And that carried on and then didn't seem to be anything that I noticed in my life. And then it started to appear in other places in my 20s. Um, I did not love that this was in my heart. Uh, it stressed me. I battled with it. Um, I was scared of it. I was stuck. Um, and it terrified me which is not a bad place to be. <laughs> There's something to do with the fear of the Lord is when this the stuff that we can be getting into terrifies us. That's a good place to be. Um, I was a teacher at a school uh, for a long time, beautiful school, and I noticed for the first time this emerging again with the gentleman, married gentleman, who was um, leading the year group, and I was one of the form teachers of that year group. No one would have picked it up. I didn't do anything with it. It wasn't something that I was ever tempted to step into, but it was a heart issue that I had. And this admiration and this um, desire to connect um, with just the married men, not all married men, there was just a particular few. Um, and then the same original one here as well, just in a nearby town, would visit as a family or I'd visit on my own. And that admiration was still there. Um, I thought I hid it. His wife noticed it the whole time. Uh, I've talked to him and her both about it in years since and repented uh, so much for that. But um, I just, I never stepped into an activity, but my admiration was just really strong. Um, there were times, the last time I ever visited, it was just like getting borderline now, and I could feel his admiration for me. Um, and I went out into the garden and called my dad in Africa, and I was just like, I need help. This is serious. It's a serious heart condition. How do I how do I get out of this space? How do I get back into a pure space with the Lord? How do I stay according to what he would have for us? And it stressed me and I just shared my sin. Um, and then back here and back at school, I was in the staff room and that particular gentleman was there and he'd made a cup of tea and I made a hot drink and then just dumped my tea bag in his hot drink just to screw up his drink and playfulness is fine but I was like that was flirting and for me I knew okay I've gotten into a serious place that I'm starting to reach over into that territory um, I shared with my senior pastors which were 
all this time back were still Paradox Church, Lisa, Brad, and my younger sister. We were the senior leadership at that time, before the homeschooling years. <laughs> we used to run together with Lisa. I'd often just pull Lisa aside at a conference or something, and it's that thing, and she was very good at just reminding me who I was and loving on me. But I just shared openly with them. I'm glad I did, because it was in the foundations of our building, our church, that we then spoke very openly about having to clean lines in our relationships and guarded spaces in, in that area. But I would phone my dad often. I just remember in a rental I lived in, I'd just phone him overseas. I'm like, it's that thing, and I don't know what to do, and I'm stuck, and this is, is matters. But I didn't know what to do. Um, and it just got to the place I didn't know any inner healing tools at that time. We didn't, hadn't come across Elijah House. I didn't know how to get roots out or what, but I knew the word and I knew what it said. And I knew that there's absolutes in the word and I knew that it was wrong. And I knew that I was desperate and I knew that the blood on the cross was enough. And I knew that if we resist, the devil will flee. And I knew the Lord loved me, but I knew that I need to be very careful here. And so I did the only thing I knew how to do. And I said, I will fast until this breaks. And I went on a hunger fast and I chose to not eat again, even if I die, until this breaks. And it didn't feel like agreements with death or a turning from life or getting suicidal. It wasn't that. I knew it was to do with in the word where it says, but you haven't resisted temptation to the point of blood. I just knew that the Lord would hear my cry because I had no other keys for this thing. And so I stopped eating and I just went to the Lord with this. And I was like, I will fear your name and I will live for you until you root out the things in my life that I'm stuck in. First week went by, second week went by, third week went by. On day 21, I was at a conference and this thing was raging so strong at that conference. It was up at Churchlands and some visiting speaker and the Holy Spirit was pouring out and a whole group of people were just trembling under the power and, and you know, laughing. There was just so many people laughing in the spirit and I was just sobbing and, and crying in a mess and it irritated me that they just had this joy and I was desperate. I was depressed. I was just stuck in this thing. It was so strong. And... Um, sat through on the last day of the conference. Um, there was a real presence of the Lord. And now was the friend that I was with, she just pointed out someone in that church who was just really had the gift of prophecy, a strong, trusted gift of prophecy in that church. And as it got to the end of that thing, I just, I was like, well, will you pray for me? I just need someone who will hear from the Lord to pray for me. And she started to pray for me. And instead of pointing out the sin in my heart and accusing or anything, I was like, well, Lord, you know, she'll see it. All she did is started to prophesy who I'm, who I'm going to be. And she started to prophesy over me. And all I ended up doing is the power of God hit me so strong. And I just found myself in a crouched position. I was just like this. And my whole body was just shaking and shaking and shaking and shaking. And the power of God was so strong. I think Lisa, your sister, came and put her hand on me. And she started speaking in tongues for the first time in her life. Like it was just such a strong power. And different people from Paradox who were there that night, I think you were there, came and put their hand on me. And they were just praying. And I just felt this intense pressure down in the bottom um, of me, like in my womb area, just this intense pressure, like a big ball of fire. And it was full on and intense. And I'm just in this crouched position, like, a, like one might give birth in. And then she was prophesying and she was like, the Lord is putting a seed in you. I can see his fist. It's like a ball of flame in your womb. And he's seeding in you a ministry to set captives free and to bring people into their healing and into their wholeness, in particular women. 
And she said, he's seeding you with this thing. And there was such an intense pressure down there. And the Lord really anointed me that night for the very things I'm walking in now. But all I was focusing on was the fear of the Lord and making sure the fear of the Lord was there. And he was over here anointing me and doing that sort of thing. It was just so weird. It was so full on. And then the next week I was like, I just have this issue. I probably need to go see the doctor. I probably need to see a physio. I was really uncomfortable down there. I just had... Um, I was just uncomfortable. I went to the doctor. They sent me for a CT scan. And on the CT scan, it showed that my bones had separated where it does when you give birth. And there was a, um, a fracture, little fracture line. And she's like, what have you been doing? Like a cute breaststroke? Like, what have you been doing? And I was like... I don't know if I can explain that one to you right now. <laughs> so I, I um, thanked her. I was like, oh my gosh. Like there's just so much in the word where it talks about the Lord co-laboring and seeding and we birth things in the spirit. And he loves to give us what he would call us to, but it takes the fear of the Lord. And after that night, that thing broke. That thing that I'd been battling with broke. And my fast ended, I had waffles that night <laughs> with my friend. And since then, at times, if it's come up or whatever, I've had the keys now or I've checked in with friends or I've remained countable. But that is what I want to talk about as an example of the fear of the Lord. But not only that it's stopping particular things or making sure we're in alignment with him on particular things, but it's there's a whole bunch of things he gives when we walk in the fear of the Lord. He just gives. It's all in the scripture of the amount of covering and blessing and friendship with God. He gives anointing when we hate lawlessness and when we choose righteousness. The anointing comes. That's when the power comes. That's when he's called, what he's called us to on this earth kicks in. But I feel like he's saying a lot in my bride are not completely covenanted to me in every way. There's some areas of our heart that are not consecrated. Just some areas of our life that is not fully consecrated or laid down, where we're willing to cost ourselves everything for what he laid down as life for us. If there's any area of compromise in our life, and if we're in denial about it, so denial means minimizing, so the size of it is this big and we call it this big so that we feel okay about it. We have to go, no, it's this big and I have to phone someone about it and I have to get out. We call it what it is. We don't minimize. Or if we justify it, well, it's because I'm not getting any in my marriage or I'm not married. It's because I don't have work. It's because blah, 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 blah. The Lord hasn't come through for me. There can't be justification of doors open in our life at all. There can't be blame. Blame is a denial thing. It's because of this or because of that or it's because of this that I've got this open in my life. There has to be no compromise. That's what it is to be a kid of the kingdom. That's what he's called his bride to. It cost him everything and the gift of salvation is free. Amen? The gift of salvation is free, but it's not permission to live a free life. Doing freely whatever we like. The gift of salvation is free and it costs us everything to live for him. As laid down lovers that he received the reward of his suffering. And none of that means that um, it's all rules-focused. It's not about rules. It's not about control. It's not about um, performance. It's about at a heart level reading the word often and actually knowing what it is that he says in there 
that is okay and not okay. I think a lot of us learn, maybe in Sunday school, I don't know, we learn the Ten Commandments. How many of us know how many there are commands of Jesus? Do you know exactly how many? Are we reading them? Are they on our wall? Are they in our heart? I don't even know the exact amount. I think it was 40 to 50 the last time. I I remember doing a read-up on it. But there's 40 to 50 things that he actually said as he walked the earth. Those things need to be in our hearts. One of them is never withhold from someone who begs from you. How many times do we see someone begging at the traffic light? We're like, well, if we give it to them, they'll just use it for drugs. It doesn't matter what's in their heart. It matters what's in the king's heart. There's all this instruction from him, and it comes with a fear of the Lord to live from him in those places. Are our Bibles open every day? Are we learning what it is that he would have us do and how we would live? Because culture is teaching us how to live. A lot of us have our TVs on and all sorts is coming through. Movies, um, uh, TV programs, the adverts on there that are just getting so sexual. Channel 9 this week, I was like, oh my giddy aunt, Lord have mercy. Things that are on the reels, you start off just looking at cute dog ones and then you just keep going. And it's all sorts of things people are up to and it's always my girlfriend this and they're actually in bed together. And There's a whole bunch of stuff that is normalized in TV and movies and everything. There's a dominant culture of our world as to what's okay. And if we're not keeping our head in the word day after day, washing ourselves with where the lines are, we just go, well, it's a progressive gospel and the Lord it's a, it's a gospel of grace, and wherever the world is up to today, is, you know, so long as you're not doing big sins. But we really need to be um, together monitoring every bit that's coming in, and we need to be the culture infiltrators. Amen? We need to be like, I'll sacrifice enjoying that episode or following that, or I'll sacrifice not resting to TV like I love to. If it's not kingdom culture coming through the screen, we've got to die to it. We've got to die to how media is normalizing a whole bunch of stuff that is not full of the fear of the Lord and his ways. We need to wake up. We're being put to sleep and lulled. We're just mixed in with the current world. Amen? We're just mixed in and that's not what he's called us to. He's called us to be set apart and then to go in and infiltrate. And holiness is part of being a kid of the kingdom. Holiness has to be something we've chosen, we gave our lives to him. It has to be. I choose holiness even if I don't know how. Sometimes the roots of our stuff is in the heart journey stuff. It's, it's that our appetite is too strong because of responses to unmet need or to things that have happened. And we need the inner healing stuff for that. Um, addictions, things like that, generational stuff. But a lot of it is just good, hard, right grit of obedience. Do you know that we can love the Lord and still be doing fraud? We can love the Lord and still be stuck in watching things or um, our sexual appetites and all sorts of things. And we can still love the Lord. It's not a love issue. It's a fear of the Lord issue. We can love the Lord and be having angry outbursts that hurt people. We can love the Lord and be asleep as a church and apathetic and slumbering. Can you hear the bride? There's a, she's, tired, she's sleepy. 
It's like white noise all around. There's a slumbering in the bride. Her passion and her zeal for the fear of the Lord. There's a scripture that says, be zealous all day for the fear of the Lord. All day that we would be zealous for the fear of the Lord from morning till night. That we would choose to be awake for him. That we choose to be engaged. Yeah? Some of us, we're so attached to our phones that it's been normal that if we're ever alone in a place, that's what we'll turn to. Maybe it's insecurity or we don't want to look like we're just awkward sitting alone. It's just to fill space. We've been talking about this as a DNA group, how to cut out some of this sort of stuff. Marika was sharing how she took social media off her phone in those areas and she chooses to drive to any appointment sensing what is going on in the atmosphere so she can be part of it when she's in that place. And she chooses to take her daughter with her and explain that to her as she's driving and share what she's picking up. And then they sit in every waiting room at lots of different hospital and appointments and things which with her family. And they pray into that atmosphere and they lift the burden bearing off the doctors and they do whatever it is that they can feel is going on. If we're not tuned in to what's going around us because we've got this extension of a phone on our arms, we're not bringing the kingdom. I've taken it off my phone since. I want to be present. I want to be awake. I want to engage. I want to, know, I want to hear from him what's going on. I want to sense what's going on. Is the TV on or is the prayer walk going on when it comes to our street? How are we going in, like owning our street? It's my street. And I'm going to really be prayer walking it every day, every second day, once a week. Does the garage come down every time we go in or do we make ourselves available to the people around us? Do we know their names? It costs ourselves The fear of the Lord in our lives and living for him really burns the flesh. And our flesh is very hungry and it has a really, really big appetite. How many of you, my flesh is really full of appetite, as you can see. I worked really hard on that. But I'm like, it's, I, my flesh is strong. My flesh is so strong. And it's either we indulge our appetite or spend a lot of our day thinking about what we're needing. I need rest. I need food. I need a touch, I need someone to see me, I need to be heard, I need to have a voice, I need a ministry, I need a, I need, I need, I need. And that's, that's the, the sound of the flesh. And our appetites need to come to death and we need to live for the king and his word is absolute. It's not a progressive gospel. It's as relevant today as it was yesterday. It's going to be relevant in the next decade and the next generations. Amen. And we need to know what it says and love it. And live like it. And get help and get the prayer ministry or get some deliverance. If we're stuck in anything that is not according to the word of the Lord, have a healing plan. Have a healing plan. And do something about it. Because his blood is enough. There is no stuck place too much that his blood cannot pull you out of. The only key we need is that we hate our sin. We have to hate it. If you don't hate the alcoholism, if you don't hate weed, if you don't hate the spending addiction, if you don't hate the habitual masturbation, if you don't hate the things that you're looking at online, if you don't hate the fractures relationally and the control that's coming out of you, if you don't hate this deep pattern of insecurity that keeps tripping you up and a false refuge of hiding, if you don't hate the sin, that's the problem. The problem isn't whether you're stuck or not. The problem is whether you hate it. 
And the Bible is full of the Lord saying he hates this. He used that word. He hates this. He hates this. He hates this. And then he says, and the fear of the Lord is for you to hate this and hate this and hate this. We're going to look at some scriptures together. Do we hate what he hates and love what he loves? Or is our appetite leading us and the idol of comfort the thing we live our lives by? There is no comfort in the kingdom. There is the comforter. So there's so much comfort from him. But it's not, the narrow road is not comfortable. So if we're making choices to get ourselves to those places of comfort, let's, let's put that into their heaven season. To be on this earth, the idol of comfort has got to go. It's time to regroup. It's time to wake up. A week or so ago, Nick woke like that in the night because she just had the Lord in her ear and he said, are you awake? And she felt it was for the body of Christ. That's his question. Are you awake? If you had a barometer of awakeness and the things of the spirit and being up and being present and knowing what's going on in the atmosphere and praying and engaging with it, engaging with worship, speaking in tongues, releasing things, are we awake? Are we awake? And this isn't just so that we're obeying. This is because Perth needs us. And the only way we're going to infiltrate the kingdom of Rockingham, of Perth, of Mandurah, of Peel, is an awake bride who's up with all of us on the wall taking our places. Do you feel like you're currently on the wall, in your place, facing forward, fully awake? Or is there some flesh is there some flesh? Is there a sleepiness? Is there a slumber? If you've been tapping into that sleepy slumber, it's been a corporate stronghold. It's, I think it's regional. I think it's across the bride in general. We need to be very careful we're not in agreement with that thing because it creates an impotent church. And I'd say we fall into a bit of that category. There is impotency. Where's the power? Where's the miracles? Where's the anointing? Impotent, sleepy, compromise. His invitation is here. The kindness of the Lord is in the room. There is no condemnation here. The kindness of the Lord is in the room. It's like there's a gap in time. There's a gap in time. There's a gap in time where we, choose, we can choose to be up and part of this rising remnant who want to be awake for what he's going to do. Perth is worth this, but the healings and the salvations is only going to happen when we're up and we're present and we're not involved in some things and the compromise is not there. We've got to be kingdom kids. Amen? Even last week, I think um, Ali was sharing in the prayer room her dream. She was on this ferry, like the one that comes from Rotnest. And um, there were people on the ferry, and she was at the little shop on the ferry. And then the crew person called out, oh, we're docking in. She was like, okay, and she was shopping, and she was like, I'll just go to the toilet. And she was distracted, and she went to the bathroom. And, and then she eventually came back out, and the ferry was pulling back away. And she felt this alarm, and she's like, no, I have to be in Perth. I have to be in Perth. I have to be in Perth. I didn't mean to be so distracted. And the guy was like, you missed it. 
She's like, no, I've got to be in Perth. I've got to be in Perth. Stop, stop. And eventually she found the captain and she looked at his eyes and she's like, oh, give me Perth. And he nodded. And the ferry came right back towards, but it stopped just a little way out. And so she took her backpack and her luggage and everything. And she was like, I don't know if I can, I'm going to have to jump. Do I throw my luggage? What do I do? What do I do? Do I jump? Do I throw it? And then she woke up. And she was left with a sense of, if I don't leave my baggage and drop the burdens and just jump, we're going to miss Perth. We're going to miss Perth. We're going to miss our assignment. Some of us have some baggage there. Some of it just is passivity and apathy, and that's all it is. But there's more. There's more if we'll just cut those things free and if we'll jump. Perth's worth it. This is for something. This is under something. And the bride needs to be up, and we all need to be on the wall. Every watchman up. All of us with our swords sharp. Amen? The king is calling his bride. It's time to wake up. I just want to go on a little journey about some of the fear of the Lord with us before we do some praying. hope you feel his love. His kindness is here, but it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. What is the fear of the Lord? Interestingly, if you look in a concordance, if you study Hebraic meaning, if you go all through the Bible, everywhere that it has the word fear, for fear of the Lord, it means fear. That's why it's been left in. There's no um, different form of the word that they've taken out and swapped it for what it really means. It actually means fear. And it always will. But it doesn't mean afraid of in a... Like he's an abusive dad and I'm afraid of him and I'm scared. It's not a scared of him way. And if you've had a scared of a father as part of your journey, we need to then not look through the lens of that at this teaching to miss the beauty of the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean scared of. If you're scared of the Lord, you hide from him. That's what Adam did the first time that he came out of the fear of the Lord and entered into unrighteousness and sin in Genesis. And they clothed themselves and there was shame. That's hiding. When we, um, when we fear him, we have nothing to hide. But we're scared of being away from him. We're scared of the sin that's in our heart. It stresses us when we're involved in things that don't please him. That's like where the fear is. The fear of the Lord is reverential. It's a trembling awe. We'd be able to pick that up in our worship of him. There's that respect that's our mind is full of the awe of him. Some of us have just got him like, yeah, he's God and we love him. But there's just a familiarity that might have come into our relationship. It means we honor and respect and consider and we venerate him above all things, which means we hate what he hates and we love what he loves. This is what it means to fear the Lord. We don't go, well, I I personally, I love what you, I hear you, God, but I personally love and hate this and this is where my line of sin is. And then we have relationship with God. No, we just learn. This scripture says we can learn the fear of the Lord. Isn't that a comfort? We actually can learn the fear of the Lord. It's something we can grow in. So we can make that our hearts cry. We can go on a journey of that, but we need to learn to fear the Lord. But we need to learn to love what he loves and hate what he hates. All right? Not listen inside to all that we love and hate. 
We're going okay so far? What does it look like? Amongst a few other things that are there scripturally, I'll just share a few. Um, It's the key to accessing wisdom and knowledge. How many of you would like some hectic kingdom amounts of wisdom in your life? For your business, for your family, for your personal life? Like to be a person that walks in wisdom. It says the way to unlock that, if you think of a door, he's literally going, you want wisdom? Here it is. Here's the key. Have the fear of the Lord. It'll unlock wisdom. Don't have the fear of the Lord. You won't have wisdom in your life's choices. And knowledge. There's other versions that also explain it. It's actually the knowledge of the Lord is in the fear of of, um, the Lord. He's saying, here's a key. Open that door to knowledge. But the key is the fear of the Lord. So if you have the fear of the Lord, you can start becoming a person with the gift of wisdom and knowledge. All right? Um, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the key to knowledge and wisdom. It is, not it includes, it is the hatred, the hatred of evil and sin in our lives and in the world. Never of sinners. Never of sinners. He does not hate sinners, and we are never to hate someone sinning or stuck in sin or sinners. Okay? We're to hate the sin. We don't want to have a tolerance culture like what's coming across the face of the earth, okay? But some of us tolerate sin in our lives. And in any area in our life where we're tolerating sin or in our whatever we're putting our hand to, in any area we're tolerating sin, that's lacking the fear of the Lord and that's called compromise. Do not tolerate it. Being to- tolerating it is being in agreement with it. Proverbs 16.6 6 says, By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. doesn't even say by accountability one departs from evil. It doesn't even say by prayer ministry <laughs> one departs from evil. It doesn't say from deliverance one departs from evil. By the fear of the Lord, the holy, healthy, reverential fear of the Lord is what keeps you from going, I'm not opening that door. I am not doing that. By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. That means everyone can depart from evil because it's got a key. And how do we depart from it? By the fear of the Lord. Okay? Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. There it is. Pride, arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. The Lord hates it. We're to hate the pride in our life. It's got to go. And the arrogance. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. We need to hate what's in our lives. That thing has got to go. We've got to hate it. Okay, no tolerance. We're going okay? Too hefty? Mama's back on the mic. (laughs) Slide five. (laughs) It's the fountain of life. This is a great goodie. It is the fountain of life. How many of you want more life and life to the full? The life that he said he had for us. It's the fountain of life. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Okay, so to walk in the fear of the Lord is the, just the outpouring of this fountain in your heart, in your life. It'll leak everywhere. The water will go everywhere. 
into your family, into your marriage, into your friendships, into your home. It's a fountain of life. Learn to love it. Amen? What does it look like? It's not fun words. (laughs) It's not fun activities at all. These are anti-flesh things. It looks like yielding. Yielding our life to him. Yielding comfort. Yielding our choices. He might ask us to do something different than what our dreams and desires are for our life. We might have thought we'd go this way and he's calling us into this. The flesh has to go and it's yielding. Yeah, Jesus taught us how in the Garden of Gethsemane. He took the drink and he said, I don't want to do this, but if this is your way for me, I accept it. There's a heck lot of acceptance that helps, that goes with yielding. And that's part of the fear of the Lord. It looks like dying to ourselves and our flesh, putting on comfort on the altar. It looks like resisting. Okay, remember it said, have you resisted temptation to the point of blood? Not tolerating, resisting. No, I will not. (laughs) We will not. It looks like obeying. It looks like choosing. It looks like covenanting. Whether you're in a marriage, whether you're single, if you have come to ask the Lord into your life, you're in a covenant relationship. You are in a covenant relationship. I'm in a covenant relationship with the King of Kings. When we're in covenant with the King, there's a whole bunch of stuff we've chosen to say no to. There's stuff we can't do because I'm in a covenant. Yeah? What does it provide? There's a good fat list of what, if we walk in the fear of the Lord, it provides for our lives. And we don't go after the benefits. We just do it because he says so. But it's helpful to know these things as well. It provides a future and a hope. Proverbs 23, 17 to 18 says, Let not your heart envy sinners, people not walking in the fear of the Lord, but continue in the fear of the Lord all day. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. If you want a future and a hope, walk in the fear of the Lord all day long. No compromise. Amen? It provides confidence in the Lord. Some of you struggling with your confidence in the Lord? In the fear of the Lord, Proverbs fourteen twenty six. in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. You will have confidence in him. Your children will be okay. They will have a refuge if you walk in the fear of the Lord. Your confidence in him will grow. Amen? It'll provide protection. Do you know there's over 300 scriptures about the fear of the Lord in the Bible? 300. We're not going to do a sermon that long. But is 300. This really, really matters. It provides protection. Proverbs 19.23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. There's a protection and a covering when we choose all out fear of the Lord. It provides provision in times of need. Psalm 33, 18 to 19. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. The eye of the Lord is on which ones? Those who fear him. The provision comes. Okay, there's blessings. He looks after, he looks after the ones on the, on the altar in these areas. 
What else does it do? It pleases the Lord. If you want to please the Lord, Psalm 147, 10 to 11. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. Sorry, all of you with good legs. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. That's who he has pleasure in. Not those with an amazing spiritual gift. Not those performing well. This isn't about performing well. This is a heart posture. The one that the Lord takes pleasure is, is where no one can see when you're on your own. It's the fear of the Lord is in that space. That's who the Lord takes pleasure in, regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of lack around you, regardless of the fire you might be in, regardless of any situation of suffering, especially in suffering. Suffering is not an excuse. I know that topic a bunch. And it says, he takes pleasure in those who fear him. It provides special blessing, instruction, and friendship with God. Are any of you feeling like your, your friendship with God is lacking? It says in Psalm 25, 12 to 14, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. If you're hungering for friendship with God, look into this topic. Let's learn more of the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord and his chosen ones that he's like, cool, I will give you Revelation of my covenant. I will show you who I am. I will share friendship with you. I will bless you. Comes with anointing. We're lacking a bit of that, I think, and some of the things that we're putting our hand to. I think it's John Bevere who shares that um, he was just every morning, I think two hours with the Lord in prayer, just every morning for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then every time he preached, it was like boing, 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 boing. No anointing. It's just words, just lacking anointing, lacking anointing, lacking anointing. So you really went to the Lord, like, what is going on? You've called me to this. And you heard clear as a bell straight back from the Lord. It's because you're tolerating sin. It's because you're tolerating sin. And he said to him, go read Hebrews 1.9. And John went and read it. And it says, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So this one, it was to do with the oil of joy. But he's like, the anointing comes when you hate the sin and you love righteousness. The anointing is the answer. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. If we're, if we're bringing the kingdom on the earth, we're nothing without the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke and sets the captives free. It's not our power. But if we're walking powerless because there's compromise and there's sleepiness and there's things that we're tolerating and the anointing's not there, what are we doing? The bride needs her anointing. And the way to get, one of the ways to get the anointing is to not tolerate, to have clear lines and to live for him in every area to hate sin and to love righteousness, even if it burns. Do we love righteousness? Like, does it feel like we just love righteousness? In every single area, we're to flee sin and love righteousness. What does it cost? What does the fear of the Lord cost? 
cost everything. It's, that's it. It's a life laid down. It's choosing to be uncomfortable. It's choosing to have intentional, intentional ways in our day where we have fellowship with him. Whether our hands are full, whether there's 10 kids, whether there's no kids, whether we're working, whatever. It's how can I fellowship with him on the go or if I have the, um, if I'm spoiled and lucky enough or whatever to have lots of time with him. Whichever way, like how am I intentionally ensuring there's fellowship with the Lord? It's intentionality when it comes to hating the sin and having a healing plan for every stuck place because his blood is enough and there's no stuck place too stuck for him. And it's getting up and it's moving forward and it's costing ourselves enough to literally ask for the heart of our city. Do we have a heart for our city? Has our heart broken yet for our city, which is the assignment while we're alive? That is your heavenly assignment. It's not for us to be happier, to be more breakthrough. It's not even just for our generational line. It's for our world. And he's put you in the exact amount of space of time and he's chosen you to be in this country for such a time as this. And you have a part to play that no one else can play. And it's really significant and it's really necessary. And a lot of us are not taking our seat because we're wrapped up with insecurity or there's slumbering and distraction or we're not cutting the baggage free and jumping and choosing to be in Perth but not of it. We've got to get out of being of it and get into it and infiltrate. Does that make sense? And so his invitation today is I'm bringing the ferry back to Perth. Andy, would you mind just playing a bit? I'm just going to pray and we're going to finish. If this agitates you, um, let it. It's good for us. We, we must detest comfort and being comfortable and living our suburban lives, which have a bit of hardship every now and again or big hardships in our private lives sometimes, and then just regrouping on a Sunday morning for two hours and then doing it all again. We've got to get out of the doldrums. We've got to be alive and on fire and loving being here and like reckless love for our city and, and being awake to it. The selfishness has got to come to death on the altar. There's deep selfishness. And in some of us, it's generational idol. The selfishness is the anti, it's the opposite. The tolerance has got to go. And we can repent and repent to the Lord, but in Scripture it says, confess one to another and I will come and cleanse you. We've got to get our accountability up, get into a DNA group, get into accountability, and we've got to start saying everything, body, soul, spirit, every temptation. And we need to get the feedback and we need to move. And we need to change everything that we said we were going to do and we keep moving and we let's have talking about this region and this city and this, the kingdom be what is on our mind all the time instead of what's tough and what's hard for us and where we are in our little world. We're stuck in us. We need to get over ourselves. There's a world out there and it's going to hell. 
And we are His number one and only choice. He doesn't have a plan B, but He's invited us to be the key. And we have the keys in our hands if we would get over ourselves and get passionate about our city and get up and get awake and get praying again. It's time to regroup in prayer. How's family prayer going? What's your intentional strategy? Family prayer, couples prayer, friend prayer. How's, your, how's that going? How's church prayer? Get back in the prayer room. Every area you're putting your hand to, who you're praying with if you're a business person, who are the businessmen you're praying with? Where's that? Let's get this time to regroup, bride. It's time to regroup and pick up our sword. It's time to get going. It's a, it's, he's gonna bring the grace. He's gonna bring the provision. He's gonna bring the anointing and it's gonna be fun. It is fun being a warrior and taking our city back. It's fun going with Him, leaping and diving and not knowing what He's gonna do, but going and it costs everything. And then you finally feel alive. Aren't you bored? Busy but bored? Just loving Jesus, loving Jesus. Do we love Him with every part of our heart? And where's the warriors? Where's the war? We've left the field. It's time to regroup. Come back to the war field. Bring your bows and arrows. Bring your bazookas, bring whatever you got. Is the sword in your mouth? Or is there dust on the Bible? Do you know where our Bibles are? One little line and an app is, if once a week is not, it's not it. Are we filled with it? That we know that this is the truth and that is not kingdom. Can we divide which is which? It's time to get up and have an intentional plan this afternoon, tomorrow morning. Let's keep on this. The Scripture says, learn the fear of the Lord. Let's stay up. Let's do things differently and let's be awake. Let's regroup. Amen. If you feel to or if you can stand, let's do that. And we're just going to do some prayers. just close our eyes and I'm going to as well but if you just feel there's a lack of the fear of the Lord in your life just raise your hand to Jesus or both or up high or kneel or do something get out of the rut do something and if you feel that this word is for you today and if you feel safe to would you just follow me in prayer we're going to just repent Lord, we just recognize there's a lack of the fear of the Lord, of the fear of the Lord in our life. The fear of the Lord where we just go with what you say and where we hate evil and where we love what you love. And there's slumbering and there's apathy and there's passivity and there's selfishness. I think more about me than my region. I think more of my about me than my city. I talk more about me than my city. I talk more about what I need than about the strategies that are coming from heaven as I walk the streets. Jesus, we just repent for our slumber and we repent for our apathy and we repent for the idol of comfort and we renounce the idol of comfort. This is, if, this, if you're gonna do this, it looks like something. It costs everything. We repent of our idol of comfort. It is not the narrow way. 
we just renounce that idol, Father, and any other idols in your life. If you know there's other idols in your life, pornography, spending, false refuges, withdrawing, any idols, just say them to the Lord. Negativity. Victim spirit, victim thinking. Passivity and rest of the, the false rest. We just thank you for your kindness in the room, Lord, and it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. Would you just ramp up that kindness, Father, and get us out of this place? We just repent and renounce of these altars, Father, of any pride, of any arrogance, of doing things my way. And in particular, Father, any areas of sin that we've been tolerating. Would you just search our hearts right now in our lives, Lord? We repent of the denial and the justifying and the minimizing and the blaming. We renounce denial and the demonic deception that comes with that and we come into the light. The Scripture says, in your light we see light. So we come under your spotlight of heaven right now in the Name of Jesus and we say, search our hearts, search our hearts and lead me. See if there's any, any sin in my life and lead me in the way everlasting. And we just repent, Father, for every area of sin and every area that we've been tolerating sin and excusing it. We repent of compromise. We repent of compromise. We leave those things. We want, we want to be called and assigned and appointed. We want You to use us to co-labour, where You birth things in us, where You birth things in us that You've called us to for such a time as this. We choose to rule and reign and leave the comfort of being unseen and letting others do it. We choose to join them on the wall. We choose to regroup, Father. We choose to, to let go of the insecurity. And we choose to regroup and be brave and to learn on the job and to have a, 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 a heart for the city and a heart for the lost. We just repent that we don't love what You love, that we don't love the lost and the broken and the homeless and the widows and the orphans and um, that we love our lives too much. So we just lay down our lives again, Father, and we just ask to learn what You love. Would You set us apart and consecrate us? We re-consecrate ourselves to You. These are big prayers. They look like a, quite an overturn. They look like not never going back. They look like diaries shifting up, timetables shifting. They look like getting up a bit earlier or fasting often. They look like costing yourself. Would you help us to take this seriously, Lord, to be intentional, to be intentional about living for you and righteousness and purity and loving the, your Word, loving your Word, living by your ways and getting into all the blessings and the fun of the Kingdom, picking up our swords and going after people and going after what you love and risking it and seeing the anointing and the power and the signs and the miracles. We choose to activate. We choose to be part of being mobilised. 
And we're so sorry for being part of the impotence, Lord, in the church. Would You mobilise us and activate us? Would You help us activate ourselves and our friends and our partners and our households for You, Lord? Would You help us to get out of this inertia, Lord? Would You just help us change the gears and give us the strategy in Jesus' Name in our workplaces to change the value systems? The streets that we're on matter. You've got us in divine appointments, Jesus. Would You help us to just be awake? Would You help us to be present? We choose to know what's going on. We choose to know what's going on in the atmosphere. We choose to bring heaven down. We choose to be the solution that You've asked us and chosen us to be. We take our place as the solution because You're more than enough. Your grace will provide, Your sustaining grace will come, Your power will flow. We choose to move because You're worth it. We choose the fear of the Lord. Just say that. We choose the fear of the Lord. 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 We want the fear of the Lord. We want the holy, healthy fear of the Lord in our lives. We want to learn it. We want it. We want it. We thank You for it. Ask the Lord for your strategies. Take time with Him later or tonight. What's the strategy to keep me up? Get your accountability partners. Get in the prayer room. Get praying. Get alive. Get in the Word. Shake off the slumber. Shake off the tolerance. Take your place in the ranks. Can you hear the sound of the army of the Lord? That's different to the white noise of slumber. Can you hear it? I can hear it. Take your place, take your place, take your place. Wake up. Father, we just thank You for everything that's been repented of today. And I just um, thank You that You completely forgive us. We completely forgive each other. Where once our sin was red as scarlet, is now completely white as snow. So far as He removed our transgression from us. You are clean. We are clean. We are washed. Would You just come and wash us, Father, and anoint us for what You've called us to do? Would You give us the bravery required? We ask for the grace to stay upright in this thing and to move forward powerfully. In Jesus' Name, Amen.